there. I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially Marketing O-Talk. On these special episodes, we take a break from just reading the news and take a deeper look at a specific digital marketing topic. And today is our first non-advertising marketing O-Talk. So I'm joined by some highly esteemed SEO experts. Just like our famous Friday news shows, you'll be able to catch this episode on YouTube if you want to see the smiling faces of our special guests. And those guests are, first, someone you may know, partner and digital marketer at Cypress North and Marketing O'Clock co-host, Greg Finn. Hi, Greg. Hey, thanks, thanks for having for me, Shep. Here. It's great to be here on Marketing Attack. Yeah, I didn't really give you a choice, but thanks for coming. Appreciate and it. <laughs> we are also joined by SEO consultant at G Squared Interactive, Marketing O'Clock's BFF of the show 2019, Glenn Gabe is finally on the blower. Hi, Glenn. Hi, it's awesome to be here. I have my Thank award you. literally behind me, if you can actually <laughs> see it. I'm not kidding. Uh, but wow. it's great to be here to talk about web stories. Awesome. We're so excited to have you. And finally, please welcome digital solutions expert and founder creator of SERP Scraper Tool through Samuel Schmidt. Hi, Sam. How are Hi. you? Hi, everyone. And bonjour from France. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here. I like this. Is our first international yeah, marketing talk. I love it. I guess Andrea, she brought the, the Venezuela. She a recorded bit to us, in the States. Yeah. Okay. So I will be moderating our discussion today about web stories. I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's experiences with web stories because these have been around for a little bit and Greg tries to push them so hard on the show every week, but I feel like nobody's talking about them. So we're going to change that today. So let's get right into it. Sam, I want to start with you. So everyone's on the page, same page here. Can you tell our listeners what web stories are and how they're different from stories on social media? Right. So... As you mentioned, so there is, we, we all know stories from uh, Facebook, Instagram, right? And basically, they, are, they look the same. So it's a series of uh, pages, slides with images, text, and video. So this is what we call the stories. But they are a bit different. First, first they are for the web, so for the open web, meaning that uh, uh, you can share them. You don't need an application to watch them. You don't have to be inside a social network. Um, also, they are we can say maybe that they are created by Google, even if it's not really true, but I mean, it's Google is behind this uh, format. And so, um, um, yes, so basically the, the main difference is that you could find them on Google search. You don't need an application to watch them. And uh, also you have more uh, control over the ed edition flow. I think we will uh, go into detail later. And uh, one last uh, difference is that um, there is no, um, limits in the lifespan. So you all know that stories on Facebook is usually 24 hours, I think, something like this, right? And so here, I mean, it's like any web page, as long as it's uh, online in your website, then you can still uh, read the web story. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. But let's show our listeners some examples of these for anyone who hasn't seen them. So I asked you, I gave you all a little bit of homework to bring some great examples of web stories. So let's start with you, Glenn. Have you seen any great examples out there? Yeah, absolutely. It's not just like one or two that I think are great. It's across different types, just to show that it can be across different types of sites, different types of publishers. Uh, there was a great one about how to make money. Basically, great use of video, great use of just like a how-to of how something happens, page by page showing it. And also, we'll, we'll be covering ads later on, but they also use ads there as well. So they're monetizing that as well. I thought that was a really good use. 
Um, another great use is um, uh, sports leagues are really using them. So they've partnered up with Google. Um, Major League Baseball, I'm a big MLB and NFL fan. MLB was actually using stories like as games were going on. So it's not just a recap. It's literally, I would be in the third inning and I would go Yankee score and I'd see the little stories icon in the search results go and it was up to that inning. It was being updated in real time. So it's really cool to be able to track that and they were using advertising as well. So um, just checking uh, before, I think there were over 11 or 1200 of those MLB stories that they've run already. So they really were testing it heavily. Um, then there were some, like for example, a recipe. That's another great use of web stories, right? Where you could actually take people through specific steps and using video as well. Um, I thought that was a great use. And then I'm just gonna plug my own because I've been uh, delving into uh, web stories, but I've created a few that cover more about what, what's going on with Google and SEO, but one in particular, which was the page experience update and signal basically speculating about how powerful those sub signals will be. Um, I used a lot of motion graphics um, to kind of like punch certain points. So the visuals and animation um, I thought worked really well and I, I got a lot of good feedback on it as well. And that actually ranked really well in Discover, um, ranks well right now in search um, and in image search as well. So it, those are good examples. I think I provided a few more, but those are ones that are out <clears throat> One that I really liked, Glenn, that you had shared was that comparison. I believe it was about that Surface laptop. Yeah. And it, it really broke it down very nicely where you could see like the specific hardware and like the back cover. And I thought that that was a great example because, again, it, it really has that kind of like bite-sized nature to it. I thought that's a great use, right? And there are so many publishers uh, publishing a lot of web stories right now because they've realized, and we're going to cover some of the ranking aspects and, and metrics later, but that you can really get a lot of eyeballs on it. Um, so they're using it across different things, but product comparisons, amazing. Um, and when we talk about the future of web stories, I have some ideas and I have no idea from Google if this is gonna happen, but there are some e-commerce related things that can go on with products um, that I think would be really, really powerful. And I could see them doing something like that. Yeah, and I really like the example you put in too with the horror movies. Yeah. Um, it was like a spooky season example right. and they, because depending on how you build them, you can kind of see a preview of the next slide and they had images that like carried over. Right. I thought that was a cool creative decision. And so, that's, a great, yeah. that's a great point about uh, visuals, which we're gonna be coming, uh, coming to at some point soon in this podcast where we're gonna talk about the power of images and how to edit and everything. But someone was really smart and creative behind the scenes with how they did that one. Um, so mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. And the crazy part is that one isn't like super engaging, but it's really cool. And people are looking for that around Halloween. What are the top horror movies? I mean, I know I was, I'm a huge horror movie fan, uh, but I thought that one worked really well. Definitely, thanks. Sam, you brought us an example too, right? Yes, exactly. So from L'Oréal, you might know the French uh, company. And um, <laughs> so they, it's, it's an interesting approach because it's not, uh, so they use basically a web story in their store. So you go to their store or you go to a supermarket, you have a L'Oreal product and you can basically, um, you have a QR code, so you can just display the web story on your phone, on your mobile. And then instead of having a, a boring landing page, you have a nice web story and where you can have more information about the product. So I think it's really a good approach because it brings stories into the physical store. And as well, I think we'll, go, we'll come back later to the analytics part, but you can really see how people engage with your product and how far they go uh, in the story. So it gives you additional insight as in for marketers. So yeah, great, great wow. use case. 
That's a really neat idea to use it as point of sale. Cool. Yes, exactly. And Greg, did you bring us any examples? I did, but I wanted to say first, Sam, you you sound so much more educated than I do. In general, <laughs> I'd be like that L'Oreal. Hey, Colby, do you need any more L'Oreal products? So I didn't know that was a proper way to pronounce it. And there we go. We learn something every day. So at least you got Colby's that. Greg's wife, by the That's way. Um, so I, I personally like the ones that, that really have images. And I thought the Halloween one was great. I like the comparison. I hadn't really thought of that. The ones that I generally see and one that that stood out to me is there's uh, from Forbes and it was just to look at all the different drone awards and some of the best shots from drone. And it was like a very nice subtle pan. You'll be able to see all the examples over on marketingoclock.com or in the show notes on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching this. And it's going to be up on screen right now, but you already covered a bunch of things that worked really good. So I've got a couple examples that I thought were really poor examples. <laughs> so first off, I saw Vice has started using web stories to try to make articles come to life. And at first I was like, well, they're, they're using this and maybe it's good. And I looked, and do you ever see on like the Instagram stories when you hop in there and you just see at the top, it looks like somebody like fell asleep on the, the period button. And it's just like dot, 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 dot. There's so much content up there. Well, that's what Vice has been doing. And there's an example in the link where it talks about somebody sent a lookalike to high school. It has 43 different pages it's within out the of control. story. And, and it's mean, like nobody cares about that story anyway. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Of all the stories to make 40 slides. It reminds me, because I do a lot of work um, with companies that have been impacted by algorithm updates, right? And in the past, you don't see this as much, thankfully, um, uh, sites that would break up an article into 84 paginated pages just to monetize mm -hmm. the heck out of it. Right, like don't do that, and it doesn't work for web stories either. Because I agree, and you could actually get past the point of where a new round of pages shows up in a web story, which is probably what you saw with that. It's just not cool to do that. One hundred percent. And then another one that I thought was an example that looked really cool. Somebody put a lot of work into it, and it was Back to the Future Recipes Cookbook from Inverse. And the only issue is the recipes are in horizontal format, which you'll see on the screen right, right. now. And you can't zoom in with a, a web story mm -hmm. right now. So it is basically useless. And then they also forgot to link out. That's one of the big powerful portions of this yeah. that we'll talk about is if you get, you can get audience, uh, you know, like market share and audience attention, but you also still want them to complete what your goals are. And for this, they had some really funny recipes related to back to the future, but you couldn't get there. You couldn't zoom in. And it was a very frustrating experience if you were actually on mobile. So you can see a couple of those examples of what not to do um, with some of the web stories. Absolutely, Great. Greg, I had that show up for me uh, later after I saw you had posted it in my Discover feed, by the way. Nice. So it was there and I actually totally agree. And uh, Paul Backhouse um, from Google, who's kind of uh, driving the whole web stories thing would say the same thing, right? I'm sure he would be like, don't do that, <laughs> you know, create visuals that everybody can see and engage with. Don't make somebody like try and like squeeze something in and try and figure out what's there. Great. So hopefully our listeners have a better understanding of what these actually are now. So I want to talk about where these can be found online. So the first place that people can find these is in Google search. How do web stories show in the search engine results pages, Sam? Will searchers be able to identify these as different from normal web pages? Uh, yes, I mean, yeah. So as you said, uh, where to find them? On Google, right? So you can find them on Google uh, desktop version. And then when there is a web story, you will see like this thumbnail, like uh, sometimes you see like this little uh, image. 
and you have a kind of icon so you can identify that it's web stories. But to be to be fair, I mean nobody cares that it's web story. If 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 the title is engaging, he will click on it and then he will see the web story on his desktop. Of course, web stories are designed or made for mobile. So you can hopefully or uh, fortunately you will find them um, when you browse Google from your mobile. I just want to highlight a few things here because um, right now, when you search for a web story on desktop, I mean, from every, everywhere in the world, you, you could find a web story. Mobile is still uh, limited to US and to English only. So me, as a poor French, I cannot really see all the great web story <laughs> created by you guys oh, in no. the US. So yes, this is a bit of pity at the moment and um, a limitation, I think. I hope Google will uh, solve that very soon. But on mobile, there is a nicer way to display them, a kind of grid view where you can see all the stories in a top stories section. And um, yes, and also, I guess we'll uh, tackle the Google Discover rights very soon. I think uh, Greg is more uh, yeah. advanced. So it's also there where you could find them. Yeah, and I think, I think Sam, that's, that's a great point. And one of the things that we, we kind of on our show marketing a clock, our weekly show where I kind of cover the SEO side of things, there's sort of a flair that I think more um, folks that would identify as an SEO would, would be more familiar with where you see that in the search results pages on mobile is where I see it is those visual stories. And there's usually like a four pack of big, bold stories that can show up on mobile. And, you know, it can show up for things and, and on screen right now, you'll see that it's showing up for tourist attractions in New York City. And, you know, we've had clients that do this back when you could go to New York City and tour things. And, you know, like that is a big deal to be able to get included in something like that and basically kind of take that, you know, the ability to hop up to the first page even though it is through stories. So um, I think that there's many different layers to it, but from a kind of pure search or SEO standpoint, you know, it does show in, in, in mobile, in the SERPs, um, and then the kind of the big bold thing that also shows up that's a little bit different are those visual stories. Uh, yeah. yeah, the other thing I just wanted to say is that they also show up in Google Images. A lot of people don't realize that. And what's cool is you just don't see the stories icon. The stories icon animates. So it definitely attracts your eye for sure. I know some of mine are actually ranking there and it's really cool. And then in Google Images, we'll actually start playing. We'll swipe up and start playing the story right away. Kind of like swipe That's up cool. for AMP, which they have. Um, and the other thing is, because people ask me about this, they can actually rank on desktop and mobile as featured snippets. So my stories have actually ranked as featured snippets. So especially on desktop, which is pretty cool. And a lot of people don't realize, I mean, it's just, they're not even going to know it's a story because it's not, uh, there's no like uh, visual there in the desktop results, but they can rank in uh, feature snippets, Google Images, Discover, and Search. Uh, the one area I haven't seen them actually rank is Interesting Finds, which is a really important search feature, but it's almost like they're not including stories in there for some reason. At least I haven't seen them show up. So hmm. We'll have to look for that. Uh, Greg, can you talk a little bit about how these display differently on different devices? Because Sam mentioned earlier, they're, they're kind of made for mobile, but you can find them on desktop too, right? Yeah, and I think Glenn kind of covered a little bit of that. The one thing of note that I don't necessarily like about some of the way that they're displayed is it's really hard sometimes to know what's a story and what's not a story, you know? And, and that example, we were covering something that Glenn talked about in the show two weeks ago, and I was it, it was about what would be a tiebreaker and kind of ranking factors. And I went to go search for it, um, and I did a quick search 
on my computer and I hopped in, I saw it was G Squared Interactive. I popped on over there and I opened the story up and that was what was shown above. And you'll see it in the search results pages over at marketingclock.com in the show notes. So it does show up on desktop and I didn't necessarily know that. There's not a really discernible way unless I saw that stories um, in the URL there. And then sometimes it appears to me, and Glenn, you can kind of corroborate this or, or let me know I'm, I'm way off here, but sometimes that thumbnail does show up and I've got an example. So I took that and then I started searching on, on mobile and I saw Glenn's um, post came up with a little thumbnail and you see the stories there. So on desktop, not so much. And then doing a search for some of our own stuff, because we do stories for Marketing Clock that kind of recap everything and then send people over to the site. We didn't have stories. So it'd be nice to kind of have something that's a little bit more uniform when you could actually know what a story is. I totally agree. I think desktop needs something, right? And it's one of the reasons that I like adding it in the URL because it does show, at least for mine or, or sites that are putting it into a story subdirectory or a story subdomain, that you see it's a story. And for people that realize that, that's cool. On mobile, it's great. You have the portrait image there with the icon for stories. That's great. Um, on Google Images, same way. Google Discovery, you can figure out it's a story. But desktop, that's probably feedback that they need to maybe do something there that would be cool. Glenn, have you seen any ranking trends for web stories specifically, or have you uncovered any SEO best practices with these? Yeah, sure. So. Um, first, I'll just talk about web stories ranking in general. So like we've covered before, it's just like any other web page. Uh, Paul Backhouse just had, uh, actually did an SEO video about web stories, which is really cool. And I'll cover some of the things that he covered. Um, but they could rank just like any other page. So um, the one thing I did notice early on, which really is what kind of got me into web stories, I, I'm a big Discover fan, use it a lot. And I started seeing stories show up and I'm like, okay, Google, I think is pushing stories here. Um, so that's when I tested my own and I had that first story had over 530,000 impressions, you know, from, you know, a, a, my blog, which is a one guy blogging about stuff. So I was like, all right, they're definitely doing something funny here, um, which was cool. And you could see that and I'll give some stats and stuff like that. But from an SEO perspective, there are several things that I would uh, definitely cover. And again, Paul kind of covered these. One is, a one is a requirement, which is the metadata that you need, right? So it's actually, an, it's not necessarily a ranking thing. It's more of an eligibility thing. So it's actually really important. So the four pieces that you need are, you know, the publisher, you need to include that in the metadata in the story, the publisher logo, which should be square. Um, and there's all the specs are actually on the uh, web story documentation. Then you need a portrait poster. So that's the image that can show up um, in Google Discover, it could actually show up in the search results on mobile. Um, and then a title, um, which should, they recommend under 40 something characters, that's really tight. You don't have to do that, but it will get cut off if it's not less than that. And that's not your title tag, which I'll get to in a minute. So that metadata is really important. Uh, one thing people don't understand um, because it hasn't been broadcast very well is the AMP test for Google in Google Search Console is actually also the web story test. Right. So if you actually search Google web story test, it'll actually prompt you at the top of the results, uh, search results to actually test your web store, just like it does for AMP. Um, and when you do that, it will tell you if it's valid. Um, it could actually show you how it will show up as well. It shows you the display. So that you definitely want to do and make sure it's valid. And then beyond that, think of it just like any other uh, SEO task. Right. Good title tag, strong title tag using what people would search for. Right. So nice and descriptive. Um, include a good solid meta description, 
Um, definitely use open graph tags and Twitter cards, right? Because that's what can show up when people share it on social media. Um, uh, clean URLs. So you could use hyphens as word separators. You don't have to include stories in the URL. I like to do that, like what we spoke about before. Um, and then links. Uh, I think maybe Greg had brought this up before, but use links inside your web stories to link out, right? Because to Google, that's a standard link, right? So that could help your other content, plus get people to your site. And then from your site, link to your web story, right? Passing signals and page rank from an SEO standpoint. So very important to do that or else it can, you know, web story could easily become like a black hole that people are in. Um, just a few more pieces. So with images, you use alt attributes or alt text. Um, and for video, you can use captions or subtitles. So there's documentation on that in the uh, web story guidelines. And then uh, the biggest thing, which Paul emphasized, and I totally agree with, content is king. Great content, high quality, relevant content is still more important than anything else that I just covered, other than the requirements to show up. Um, mm -hmm. So those are kind of the things that I've seen and that has been communicated by Google. And I did have one follow-up SEO question for you because I just listened to the Search Off the Record podcast yes. about web stories and Pascal talked about how Google sees these as one page. So is there anything our listeners should do differently from an optimization standpoint based on that information that they see it as one page? That's a great question. And there is actually. So um, it is one page. Again, it's one page to Google. So all of that content is going to count towards that one web story or one page. So Greg, I know that you are an avid Google discoverer. We talk about it all the time. Can you explain how web stories work in Google Discover and how their presence in Discover is different from other articles? Yeah, so I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why, well, A, listening to Glenn and reporting on the show all the time is one of the, the main reasons. But number two, I love web stories. It kind of goes back to, to me, like those old social aggregation days where it's sort of like really customized and tailored to what you're looking for. Um, like a stumble upon, let's say, where you're just finding really cool new stuff. And to me, um, when you're using uh, Google Discover, you do see that these stories are bigger and bolder many times than um, what you typically find in Discover. And so you'll see, and there's an example on the screen where it talks about, I think it's like tips for a cozy Zoom Thanksgiving, which sounds terrible to me, but I mean, <laughs> maybe you want to check that out. Um, and there's like a little story icon that shows up there. And then it's, I'd say it's, it's roughly, you know, 1.5x the size of a normal Discover article on there. And then you hop right off, you're, people know that it's going to be something easy to consume, and you're kind of on your way. And, and you know, for those Discover Stories that are AMP, um, it, it's in the same spot as that in the upper right-hand corner. So um, sometimes you can see a gallery of those stories here. So what I've seen, and Glenn, you can, or, or Sam, you can let me know too, but if it's kind of grouped and, and sort of in the same category, like I've seen it for recipes, um, you can then kind of swipe horizontally to go through different stories. And again, it is a much bigger, much bolder, more prominent um, looking space on Google Discover. Absolutely. I mean, the, the carousel was launched recently in Google Discover, the stories carousel, <clears throat> which they say ranks at the top. It doesn't always rank at the top. I actually clarified this with Google. It's near the top, but still very prominent and they're really pushing stories hard. And by the way, just talking about Discover, I just want to give you some stats. I won't explain who the clients are, but there are two large scale publishers that I'm helping that do a lot of um, web stories. So one over the past, I think it was past eight weeks or so, 
they had 1.4 million clicks and 87 million impressions from web stores just in Discover. And the other had over 520,000 clicks and 30 million impressions just from web stories and Discover. It's no joke. If you are a publisher, and we'll cover this later, you know, ignore it your own peril at this point, <laughs> you know, because your, your competitors are probably doing it and gaining the benefits. And Glenn, I did want to segue off into tracking with these real quick. Yeah. Can you tell us about tracking with web stories? Can you see traffic in Google Analytics or Search Console? Absolutely. And I know Sam originally had posted uh, in one of his articles about the basic tracking, which was cool uh, because it was a confusing thing. A lot of people that were getting into web stories either left out tracking or the WordPress plugin didn't have it originally. Um, and then, you know, no one could see what's going on. So there are two different aspects, right? One is my recommendation would be to get basic tracking up and running first, right? So it's going to basically register in Google Analytics just like any other page on your website, which is fine, but you'll quickly want to know what's going on inside your web story because, again, it's a series of pages, right? It's like someone going through an immersive um, experience on your site. So just seeing how many people visit that page is not really cool. Um, so that's when I dug deeper with the documentation because there wasn't really great documentation on how to track what's going on within web stores. It ends up, there's lots of functionality there that's pretty easy to implement that would enable you to track a number of things. So I wrote a blog post recently about how to exit the black hole of uh, web story tracking where you could actually track story progress, right? So you could actually see how far someone's getting in. You could actually label those pages however you want as well. Um, which is really cool. Like I'll do page number and then the title from the ID of that specific page. So you could see where the drop off is. Is everybody dropping off a page four for some reason? Why is that? Maybe there's a glitch there. Maybe there's a problem. Maybe the content isn't engaging, whatever it may be. Um, you could also track how many people get to the end of your web story and then how many people get to the book end, right? And again, there's lots of other stuff you, that you can do, but these are some basic things that um, really open up uh, what's going on inside your web story. And what's cool, and it's funny, so I posted this, so I hand code my web stories I just have because I wanted to really understand how these things work. Um, but the WordPress plugin looks like it's really progressing and, and, and doing great. And I had Brody Clark, who I know that you've mentioned on this show, he uses the WordPress plugin. And he was like, hey, Glenn, I just checked after reading your article, and I think the plugin's actually uh, using those events and triggers. So it's you'll, you'll be happy to know if you're using the WordPress plugin that a lot of that tracking is being sent automatically to Google Analytics. So it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then another thing too, which is probably common knowledge is, you know, with those links that are going off to your site, um, <clears throat> you could uh, tag those as well, put UTMs on specifically if you wanted to. Um, if you're, you can, if you've got all this traffic coming in, you want to see how it actually plays out. That's another just thought there too. Absolutely. And, and one thing about tracking, and, and this isn't even a Google Analytics thing, it's just remember, and I fell prey to this early on, but if you don't link out of your web store, and I think Greg touched on this before, people aren't going to leave your web store. Right? What's the point? <laughs> like, right, they'll go through the web store and then hop back to the search results or, or they'll be off on their way. So make sure you add a, a page or two or your bookend is really strong that basically gets people to more information on your site or to your Twitter profile if you want them to follow you or whatever you want. But just don't leave the story self-contained or else you're going to see a lot of people coming in and going nowhere. Awesome. And I want to shift back to you, Sam, to talk about crafting these because you have so many great articles on your website about this. So do you find storyboarding to be an important part of the creation process with web stories? And how do you develop the concept for 
your web story content? Yes, of course. I mean, we already, um, I think, answered this question uh, during the, this conversation. But yes, one first point for me is really key. It's like, as we said, we should not, you should not put too much slides. I mean, if you have 40 slides or 50 slides, I mean, people will get bored or they won't finish or go until the end of the story. And, and as uh, Glenn just said, the idea is that it's a kind of funnel. You have to bring people to your story and to lead them to another step. So maybe your website or your Twitter account or anything else. So build your story also around images, nice text, videos, not too much text, just nice and bold title. And um, yes, and also what I can usually see uh, is like people create a story from, uh, from an article. So try to find really the essence of your article. What is the most important part of this article? Cut it in small pieces. And then the idea could be like a teaser, you know, like you share that on social media or you are, you are found on Google. And then if people are interested, they will jump into your into your article and continue uh, reading. I think, Glenn, you did that exactly for your, for your stories. Is it true? That's, that, I mean, I think that's a phenomenal point. So some people are using companion web stories for their articles, right? So I wrote, I think it was like 3,000 word post on the page experience signal for SEM Rush blog. Um, and then after that created a web story, that's a companion that kind of dug deeper, it was much shorter, obviously, and covered more of like the power of the sub signals. And then I linked to that post several times, depending on, uh, you know, the, the page content within the web story. So I think that if you're a publisher and you're writing longer form content, don't think web stories can't help. They can just if you create, you know, a companion that's tighter and more focused, I think it could really work. And, and also just on the storyboarding piece. So earlier in my career, I used to develop multimedia applications. So this is one of the reasons that I just loved web stories because it reminded me of my younger self <laughs> doing this stuff. <laughs> but it, the storyboarding process is super, super important. If you just hop in and try and build a web story, you're going to get lost. We might end up with, you know, Greg banging his head against his monitor because you have 50 slides or pages there. So map it out. And when you map it out, it's amazing. It's like mapping out a blog post. And I think Sam had said this too, like a skeleton structure. And you start to go, oh, wait, I need this or I don't need this. And what, what visuals work here? So you should have almost like when I used to shoot video for multimedia, you would have a shot list, right? So this is almost like, um, you know, web story list where you would say, I need this background visual, these smaller elements that are going to animate in, maybe a voiceover for this. A video for this, so on and so forth. And before you know it, you have a document that you're like, you can go build your web story with just that document. So I would not, uh, I can't emphasize enough how much uh, storyboarding is important. Yeah, and maybe also just one thing, stay simple. I mean, don't try to overcomplicate your uh, web stories because it's so easy to try to put too much fluff on it and just stay simple. Yeah, if you're trying to get complex, link out, link off your web story. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Glenn, have you found any best practices for videos or images with web stories? Yeah. So, you know, along the same lines of, you know, from the storyboard, you're going to realize that visuals are really, really important. I mean, for web stories, um, they should be super engaging. Not all are. Some are really engaging. Um, and uh, I said it in my blog post. I provided a blog post about tips for building web stories after digging in myself. And one uh, sub subhead was Photoshop is your friend, right? Because... I'm not saying everybody needs Photoshop, but you need an editing application where you could actually create really engaging visuals. And what, uh, you know, Paul Backhouse in his video about uh, certain things explained this as well. Don't burn text into the images, meaning 
when he says that, that's putting the text into the background images because you don't know the size of everybody's viewport. So you wanna use web stories and all the functionality there as much as possible. So create really engaging backgrounds, right? And if you're gonna layer text on top of that, cool. Other visuals on top of it. Um, images, uh, so web stories support transparency. So you can create, like in one of my web stories, I had um, a mobile pop-up drop-down, you know, with a nice animation effect, but it was, uh, there was a transparent piece showing the background. There's lots of cool stuff that you can do. Um, from a background standpoint for your web story, um, it should be a three to four aspect ratio. So make sure it's portrait, unless you're going to do landscape, which I don't want to like uh, muddy the waters here, but you can actually have web stories that are landscape and then look portrait on a mobile phone. It's full bleed, they're really cool, but a lot of people are doing uh, just portrait. So just make sure that they're clean, clear, you don't burn text into images three to four aspect ratio and get very familiar with editing images. For example, layering in Photoshop, having to select and cut things out in Photoshop to create a really cool effect. Uh, the portrait I did for my discuss indexing problem with Google, it's a cool robot kind of leaning into a cool background with Google. And those are multiple images that I used in Photoshop to get them together to create that one. Doing that really, you're never gonna find one image for your specific thing that really is perfect. So being able to edit those is really smart. So with, with video, you definitely want to make sure, because most people are viewing this are going to be uh, seeing it as mobile. So you want to make sure you shoot it that way. So shooting with your phone is actually a, a great way to do it if you're going to capture anything like that. Um, yeah, you, you had a question on there too, I saw, right? Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Our time's flying by here, but I did want to ask you guys specifically about the cover of the web story because I know that's a really important part. So, Greg, what do you think makes a good cover? And then anyone can chime in that wants to. Glenn just covered a bunch of it, no pun intended. But <laughs> I think, you know, the, the one thing is y y this is your chance to get somebody to click when you show up, especially in Discover. So having something big and bold and, and really showing what your story's about is helpful. Like, so think about it, maybe like, are you going to entice a click? Uh, Glenn covered the fact that it's three by four. They recommend 640 wide by 853 high. And they also say, don't burn in images. And then on the video themselves, Paul has an example of what his story, his covers look like. And there's burned in text on oh the cover, gosh. which is funny. So you can see that, but it's it out of the way. Yeah. It's out of the way too, because it usually comes in at the bottom of the screen currently what it might be in a few years we don't know but just again try to make something big bold and something that's easy to click through and then glenn i think you had a great point here where it's like this is more than you in a way it's like what about your design team what about your video this is like if you've got a creative team this goes beyond seo it goes beyond content use whatever resources you have to make these look good as it is so visual of a format so i thought that was a fantastic point that's easily overlooked Definitely. And get, you know, because you don't have much space for text as well. So have a really good copywriter. People that are uh, heavy on Twitter, like I am, it works well because you don't have a lot of space there. Um, but yeah, the visuals are really important and the flow, right? And uh, I think Paul had a video about the flow as well. Because again, it's super important. And a lot of people that haven't built productions like that, um, it might, they might sit down and go, oh, it's going to be easy. I'm going to build a web store and go, whoa, <laughs> this doesn't flow well and it doesn't sound right and it doesn't look right and everything. But uh, people want engaging web stories to so try and do that as much as possible. Sam, you have a lot of great content on your site, Samuel Schmidt 
Com. Yeah, Thank we you. will link to it in the show notes, <laughs> listeners. Um, but you talk a lot about about the different tools that people can use to build the web stories. So I really recommend that anyone who's interested in these check out those articles. But can you give us a quick overview of some of the best story creation tools and features that make creation flow easier? Yes, I can give you an overview. I cannot tell you which one is the best because I mean, they're all different. And first, they did a great job uh, for the um, web story community. I think they were really the first really developing uh, the format. And even before Google uh, WordPress plugging, they were here uh, enabling us uh, creating web story easily. So they are, I did like an interview of eight um, uh, web story builder. There is more than that, but on my website, you can have eight um, interview, eight detailed article about uh, a web story uh, uh, tool. So what I can say is that basically, well, they share a common um, set of features. First, you can start from a template. So you select a template, uh, you can drag and drop uh, image, you can drag and drop uh, uh, text, uh, video. So, you know, uh, Glenn and myself, we, we, we developed <laughs> with our hands uh, web stories. You can do that, but a lot of people don't, don't code. So uh, these kind of tools are really great. So in a, Let's say in 15 minutes, you can create a nice uh, web story and publish it on your website. Also, they are bringing new features and other features that are really great. You can uh, create quiz and poll directly uh, in the web stories. You can capture email information. And this is really great, I think, because you can even think about the web story uh, for lead generation uh, tool, because you can send a web story to anybody. And if you like your product, it might, it might uh, yeah, I don't know, share uh, his email address or, or something like this, more information about himself. Also, we spoke about analytics, and this tool also have a, a built-in analytics uh, often. So you can see how people engage with your story. You can see how people engage on, at the page level. So you don't have to set up Google Analytics and all this stuff. Uh, really, I mean, so there is few tools. And as I said, each of them is focused on a different uh, uh, niche, To be, let's say. So... If you want to have more detail, just come back to me and I will tell you which one might be the best for your need. Yeah, you've got all the pros and cons there on your site. So yes, exactly. Definitely yes. check it out. Yes. Glenn, we've touched on this a little bit, but is there a way that people are monetizing web stories? Can you run ads on them? You definitely can. I haven't run them for my own purposes, but I have clients that are running them. And there are some examples, like we covered some uh, really positive, uh, really good examples of web stories before that are running ads. But you could actually run, um, so it's uh, Amp Story Auto Ads is what they are. And you actually don't place your ads. From what I understand, it's actually, it figures out where the ads should go for you. And you need at least seven pages in your web story to actually qualify for this. So they have really good documentation on this. And I, I believe Greg took a look at the documentation as well. Um, but you definitely can monetize them. I don't, I'd love to actually find out how well that's being monetized because I know AMP in the past, some uh, publishers have complained that they couldn't monetize as well as they wanted to. I'm wondering if they're seeing the same with uh, web stories or if it's going well, but I'll, I'll try and figure that out and find some more information out. Yeah, and, th and that's really interesting. And, and when we've had publisher clients as well, and we look at the kind of um, the, the performance, let's say, of specific AMP pages versus desktop pages, that's always sort of a complaint because you don't have the full features and similar with web stories, right? So um, you currently, the platforms, ad platforms that support um, web story ads right now are Google Ad Manager, anything that's direct sold or programmatic, and then AdSense is coming soon from the documentation. 
Um, if you're trying to put ads on your stories, Glenn talked about some of the seven page items there. There's a great tutorial over at web.dev. It'll be in the show notes there where you can see everything that you need to do in order to advertise on um, those AMP stories and get going in, in that route. And then the one thing of, of note is you, the, you should look at these as different as like a story ad, right? Where it's, you're in, you're entering the visual environment and it should really kind of mimic that, not just some kind of very simple, you know, text-based ad. This is, this is much different. And it's also to understand that it shows up like another page. So it's like an mm -hmm. interstitial, which yeah. I'm not a fan of. <laughs> I don't know if anyone is, but, uh, but anyway, no. it will show up as someone progresses through your story. Suddenly they're going to see an ad and have to progress through it just like they would through another page. So now that we know everything that goes into these, I want to talk a bit about who should be using them. So I'll ask this to each of you, but we can start with Greg. Is there a specific industry or niche that you think could really benefit from web stories? Well, I, I guess a caveat to me, I hate stories across the board. I don't like them. I don't understand why people are taking the time to make content. And I'm talking about just social stories in general, to make content that, that, that disappears. And that's why I actually like web stories is because it doesn't disappear. It's like the anti-story story. It's just so different. And, and so, you know, I think if you've got something that can last, that's evergreen. I know that in some of those videos we keep talking about Paul, he's saying lifestyle, food, recipes, travel, sports. If you've got something that's evergreen and can last and you is, is like visual first, like the example of New York City tourist attractions, right? Like that's great. You're probably an attraction if you could put something out there and do a great job showing all the different spots, include yourself. Like that's fantastic. You can kind of mix all these different worlds together. So again, that, that's what I would do is say, you are trying to get more, especially like Glenn said, publisher wise, um, go that route, anything visual. And then you see a lot of kind of what you, you call those like listicle things, right? Where you've got the top seven, the top, whatever. Um, and then, you know, we talked a little bit about some comparisons. So I think if it's visual, it's worth a shot um, for you to test out. Sam, who do you think should be using these? Everybody, of course. <laughs> but um, let's, from my perspective, I have one issue is that, you know, uh, it's limited yet um, in Europe and I think in the rest of the world, we, we don't, uh, our web story uh, don't show up in the mobile search. So this is a bit of pity because who are your customer and where are they? I mean, if now I'm a, I'm a company and I, um, I somebody like uh, Glenn or myself uh, come to them and say, look, you have to invest in web story. Yes, okay, nice. But if my customer are in Europe and they cannot see what I'm producing, so it's a bit of pity, you know? So this is something I think I know if, if you guys have some news about what Google plans to do and when they will roll, roll them out uh, globally. Yes, but you know, because I, <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm really a big fan. Uh, as Greg said, I, I also don't really um, use social uh, network stories because yes, why I should waste my time for only 24 hours. <laughs> Here I could create something that is evergreen. And um, so this is for me, I mean, based on your questions, any brand could leverage that, but in Europe, we still have this um, visibility issue. Yeah, we've got to get the worldwide rollout on web stories. What do you think, Glenn? Yeah, I mean, Sam, that's, a, that's an amazing point. It's something we should probably ask Paul about, right? Um, hopefully we can find some more information. I think every publisher, every site should be thinking about how they can utilize stories. <clears throat> Again, ignore them at your own peril at this point. 
Long term, we have no idea what can happen. Google's always, you know, if something's not being um, adopted the way that they want, it could fall by the wayside. Um, but right now, there's a lot of eyeballs and a lot of clicks that you can get. But I think, you know, if you had how-tos, you know, a how-to is a great way to go. Comparison, like we saw before earlier with the Surface uh, laptop. I think sports leagues are doing a great job with that, like I explained. I think companion, article, uh, companion web stories to articles is a great way to go. I've done that. It's been successful for me. I've seen other sites do it. I think that's a great way to go. Uh, recipes, that makes complete sense as you're going through um, you know, the steps of a recipe. So I would, uh, oh, by the way, covering events, we haven't even spoken about that, but they actually, you could do live updates in web stories. Because there are no events right now, but <laughs> it'll be great when we have uh, them. <laughs> that, that's a good point. That's very good point. Uh, so live events would be cool. You know, so if anyone's having a conference and you're doing that, or I, I actually don't want to release because I'm going to be doing one at some point, um, cool. but you know, stuff like that. So anything that's out there that's going on, you could actually track. So I would, uh, or implement a web story about. So I, I would think about that and test it out. You never know. Like I saw it going on. I tested it. I had half a million impressions with that web story. I mean, you know, so I think publishers should really, 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 uh, really look at it. Cool. And it's pretty clear that everyone here is team web story and thinks these are a good idea. But I wanted to ask you all about evidence you've seen that Google is really investing in this format for anyone that's not convinced yet. So Greg, do you have any evidence that you well, haven't shared already? Most of the time I'm wrong. So that's the caveat. <laughs> oh, so go no. in the opposite direction. Because I actually thought that Google needed Google Plus back in the day and that it made total sense for a signal standpoint and couldn't be more wrong from that. I also thought authorship made sense where you could kind of transport some of your uh, authority. But again, that kind of went by the wayside. So I'm, I'm wrong a lot. But I think that this is here to stay, and, and I think it's really due to the fact of how much, how important this is for Discover and how much Google really needs Discover. If you look at them, you know, in general, like you typically would think of Google, Google as search and just the way that Discover is baked into these Pixel phones and you can't get away from it and how great it is and people that use it are hooked on it. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's here to stay. Is it going to look the same, um, you know, a few years down the road? No. Probably not, but I think that you know these stories are here to stay. And then you also kind of selfishly think about it, like what does Google care most about? Keeping people on Google, probably. And that's just me being mean. Um, but like, you know, if if people don't link out or don't click off, again, that's a way to people are going to be right back there on Discover if they don't do that. So I think that it makes a lot of sense for Google to go this route. And so yeah, I mean, I think that they are investing in it. And then. Lastly, if you look at what they're doing with web creators over on YouTube, it is a phenomenal channel and they're investing so much time. I just hope this isn't some like OKR for 2020 and they're going to be on the <laughs> way in 2021. But right now, those videos they do are phenomenal. They're putting so much time and burning so many calories trying to help people use this. I'd say that there is a lot of evidence that this would be here to stay. Glenn, do you have any additional evidence to share? Well, just seeing the communication program through Google Web Creators, I mean, that that is a big undertaking that they're doing and they're pumping out a lot of content. <clears throat> the time and in investing on uh, the, in the Google Docs, explaining everything, really pushing it. But um, I will say, and I, I said this in my post about web stories, it's a process. It is not simple. I know the visual editors help out, but between the storyboarding, the image creation, the video shooting, the video editing, the content writing, all that stuff, it's a process. 
Now, blog posts take a long time too. I know Sam has written uh, extensive blog posts. I write, you know, three to 4,000 word blog posts about Google updates and stuff. It ta that takes a lot of time, but um, web stories take a lot of time. So I think that's a huge barrier. But moving forward, they can really do a lot of cool stuff. I've been really focused on tracking the augmented reality piece for Google, where up till now, it's mostly been like putting animals and stuff like that into the search results, but they have put um, more commerce related things like e-commerce related products in there that you can move around, put in your place, see how it looks, so on and so forth. I mean, imagine they incorporated augmented reality with web stories, right? So if you had a web story of your new product line that's coming out and people could actually move the products around, click out and go buy it, add it to their cart and stuff like that. I think that's a huge opportunity. I also think more with Google News. I haven't really seen web stories showing Google News too much. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I haven't even seen, seen them punch that. Um, but that's also a big opportunity. So I think that they can leverage different areas. Um, the, the other thing is, you know, with YouTube Shorts, basically they're TikTok style videos, which I have kids that are in that age group. They love that and, and hate long form. And long form to them, by the way, is like 10 minutes, <laughs> right? So, um, so, you know, imagine <laughs> they can incorporate YouTube shorts or short videos and, and stuff like that into web stories. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity, but like Greg said, they may be testing out a lot of things and see, see where it goes. Sam, and I'm assuming you agree that Google is investing in this. Have you seen any additional evidence? No, but I saw a bit the evolution of the story format. And uh, like one year ago, it was, um, I mean, it was just like, let's say a bunch of uh, nerds. So uh, one year later, we are here speaking uh, in front of a, a large audience. And um, also they invested in this, uh, in the WordPress plugin. Um, they are, I think they are rolled out. In fact, um, I think I was not correct when I said it's only in the US. I think now they open to Brazil and India maybe as okay. well as the mobile uh, version. For me, the big sign again will be when they will be when they will roll out globally uh, web stories. Then this will be really a huge sign. And uh, but yeah, there is we have hope. Let's yeah. say. And even Shep on that podcast you're talking about, where Pascal came on the search off the record show, he was I forget the title that he had said he was because he's really a developer programs engineer. But he said he was like part of the um, like CMS integration. So they're really working and they're like, this is why we chose WordPress. So like. There's a lot of thought, I thought, that, that really went into that position and what he's been doing. Mm -hmm. And Sam, we did touch on this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you if you thought that web stories were a good idea for brands specifically to invest in, besides the limitations that they're not on the global scale yet. Do you think they're good for brands? Oh, yeah, of course, yes. I mean, uh, as we said, I mean, especially for... Uh, as L'Oreal did or other, uh, other brands like this, I mean, uh, leveraging stories, you can really engage with your customer in a new way, I mean, in a new way, in a more uh, immersive way, having these stories on your mobile. So I think, yes, uh, brands should uh, should try out, but always the same, where is your customer? So if they consume uh, uh, mo uh, mobile search, so then yes, maybe it might be an issue here. Mm -hmm. Glenn, how do you see the future of the web story format? Yeah, I was touching on that before. I think, you know, with uh, e-commerce, augmented reality, uh, short videos, TikTok style, maybe videos. I mean, th there's a lot of different paths that they can go. The one thing I think that's important is, you know, Google has all these surfaces, right? So there is a possibility in the future that with one algorithm update, maybe stories aren't as important in the search results, but are still super important in Discover, right? Or vice versa. I, I think it's perfect for Discover. Um, for the search results, 
they're going to figure out pretty quickly if people think that this is high quality and relevant information during their testing, when they're testing algorithm updates and seeing people go through and understanding engagement. So I think we'll see some volatility there. Um, but there, you know, the sky's the limit with how you can use a web story. It's just a matter of, and you know, Google obviously wants to make money also. So um, that's where I think the e-commerce piece potentially with augmented reality could be a really interesting fit. Yeah, just about e-commerce, um, I was in touch recently with a new uh, a web story builder, a web story tool, and they are focusing on Shopify. So they will try to create stories out of uh, your product in your e-commerce. And hopefully there will be soon a new article on my blog. So yeah. stay tuned. That'll be neat. And I did want to want to ask you all one last question. If somebody wanted to start with web stories tomorrow, our listeners, what advice do you have for them? I'll start with you, Sam. Yeah, first you have to read my blog yeah. because it's the most, no, it's the most comprehensive uh, uh, guide on, on this planet. So you have to read that. And, um, but seriously, so yes, of course, starting uh, read about what is a web story. You have to understand the format. Then I would say it depends on who you are. But me, I, I always like to put my, to have my hands dirty first. So you can try to develop one uh, web story by yourself. It will take maybe 20 hours. It's not really complicated to code a web story. But let's say you spent one weekend, you know how the things are working. Then you can move to a, to a web story builder to create more stories. But you have to understand really the, the core principle of web stories and all different uh, mechanisms. So this will be my advice. Awesome. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, so I mean, I would I would definitely start by educating yourself. I think that both Glenn and Sam's blogs are the place to start. We also cover it weekly. Anytime there's any rumblings, we bring it to the forefront. We're trying to spread the, the news here. But I think I think it is definitely worth a test. Uh, regardless of who you are, it, it is worth a test even just to, for you to grow and know it, I'd say that. But I really liked what Glenn said earlier where it's like you need to start with the end in mind when making your web stories. How do you get people off of your web story? How do you get them to understand or do what you're looking to do? What is your conversion with this web story? The traffic's great. The ad rep, maybe it's ad revenue. You just need to figure out what your goal is to do and then build those stories. Give it a shot. You really don't have that much to lose here. Um, and again, I, I think that everybody should do it and just follow along, Glenn, Sam, us. And then we're planning on doing some more with Discover as well, too, if you um, are looking to do a little bit more of that. So subscribe to, on your local podcast player. Awesome. Glenn, do you have any parting words for any first time web story creators? Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> so they actually have a simple AMP tutorial up in the docs, right? So in the Google Docs in the Developer Center. So you could actually go in there and follow along. They provide the actual code as well. You could end up in really just a few hours or, or less having th what they built as their first. So you could at least see how it works. And then like what Sam said, I'm the same way. Definitely try and build one on your own, just even if it's really rough, no one has to see it, but understanding the tags involved, how H, the subset of HTML works there, um, validating it in the, the uh, AMP tool, the web story test. Um, you could uh, test it in a local browser. You don't even need to put it online. You could see how it's flowing and working. And then if you have a website, which most people do, um, you could upload it to a directory that no one's gonna see and see how it actually works up there as well. So I would start with their tutorial, see how the code works, maybe use that code as um, a template 
and then go ahead and build your own and see how it works. And then if you wanted to, you can move to a visual editor. Um, or you may decide that, hey, you've coded one and you're going to reproduce those components and maybe that's what you keep doing. Fantastic. I think you guys have hopefully inspired some of our listeners to set these up. So I can't believe our time is already up, but I want to thank you guys again, Glenn, Sam, and Greg for joining me. You can catch Greg on Marketing O'Clock every Friday, rain or shine. Greg, where can people contact you if they want to talk more about web stories? Easiest place is at Greg Finn or at Marketing O'Clock on Twitter and you either get Shep or I there and then uh, we, you can even call in. If you've got questions, call in the show call.marketingoclock.com, ask a question and we'll answer it for you on the show. And Glenn has a lot of great web story content on the G squared interactive website, which we will link to in the show notes. It's gsqi.com. Glenn, where can people get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, I'm a heavy Twitter user. So at Glenn Gabe, Glenn with two N's, <laughs> um, you can do that or just go to my uh, blog and you can contact me there as well. Or on LinkedIn. I'm pretty heavy on my Facebook page, LinkedIn, and then Twitter. And if you're looking for more information about web story creation tools, Sam has awesome in-depth guides that we've talked about on samuelschmidt.com, which we will link to in the show notes. You can also access his tool through on app.samuelschmidt.com. We just featured this as our cool tool on the show last week if you want more information about it, but it's a SERP scraper tool that helps with content analysis and copywriting. It's awesome. Sam, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to talk web stories? Yeah, well, I'm quite active on LinkedIn, so just uh, connect with me. Uh, also on Twitter, or yes, you can just contact me via my uh, uh, website and, uh, and blog. Awesome. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. Thank you guys so much. If you're looking for digital marketing news and a lot of really bad puns, please be sure to subscribe to our show. We release new episodes with Jess Budd and Mark Saltarelli every Friday, in addition to these special roundtable episodes that we are releasing every month. So thanks again, and we will see you next week.